Hi, guys. How, How are, are you? you? Ready for some pain? I've been ready since I got it. Sure, he says that now, but a few hours into this fix, he'll be singing a different tune. Mom, you said you had some ideas or something? I do. It's something my other son drew. Okay. What do you think? This is a really good design for cover-up. In this case, that treble clef is huge. And then right through the middle of this tattoo are lines. The brother actually did a pretty good job, because I can hide a lot of black into the density of all the feathers lying on top of each other. You ready for some pain? Of course. How's it so far? Pretty good. I'm not, not feeling much. Yeah. Oh. Oh, this is too much. I have to walk out. Do other mothers ever have to walk out because they can't see their sons in pain? Most sons don't bring their mommies to get that there. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Uh, all right, find your zone. Almost done, Mom. Anita from Philly, come on Hi. down. I can't wait to see it. Take a look Go at ahead. it. Oh my God. It is gorgeous. Wow. Look at the details. You can see I was actually, those lines that cut through I used for the wings. All this stuff down here and the tree, I was able to just reshape and use the lines. They were there. And you made a mistake. And now, you know, your brother helped you fix it. That's amazing. Chris really learned his lesson, I think. I don't think he's ever going to go out and get another tattoo without planning it and, you know, discussing it first. And I better go with him. Fantastic. Happy Easter. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you you turn to somebody next to you and say, Happy Easter. Happy Easter. I do it on the other side now. Oh, what's up with that? Right, you were so passionate on one side. All right, whatever. Well, today we're, um, we're in our series entitled Inked. And the whole premise of this series is we're talking about tattoos in church. Now, if this is your first time with us or you're like your first time ever at one church, I just want to say a huge shout out. Welcome. We want to give it up for our first time guests. Can we give it up for them? Also, I want to say a huge shout out to our VIPs. Our volunteers are very important. So let's give it up for our volunteers. You guys are awesome. We're in the middle of this series entitled Inked where we're talking about tattoos in church. And again, if this is your first time with us, you're thinking, uh, that doesn't really mix, does it? And a lot of people don't believe tattoos and church and God actually doesn't mix. But you need to know something that God is not anti-tattoo. In fact, we've we've looked at this verse all throughout this series. And it's the verse in Isaiah where it actually talks about that God has a tattoo. This is what God says. Behold, I have tattooed a picture of you on the palm of each of my hands. That God has a tattoo, and the tattoo on the palms of his hands are his children, the people that he loves, which means he has really big hands, right? So anyway, well, one of the things we're talking about today is that this whole, we've been talking about this entire series, how God wants to, wants to mark our lives. That the entire premise of this series is based on the fact that the only person who has the right to define you the only person who has the right to ink your soul is the one that created you. And we learned the first week that he chose you. We learned he's adopted you. The second week we learned that he um, accepts us. 
He totally accepts us and we're included. And last week we looked at this whole idea that he accepts us forever. Well, today we're going to be talking about bad ink. And you just saw a clip from the bad ink show on A&E. But all of us, many of you guys, and we've been, uh, you guys have been texting in your tattoo stories. It's been really cool. In fact, it's going to be on the screen. So if you want to text in a picture of your tattoo, um, make sure it's appropriate picture, please. Always got to tell that to one church people because um, we're really messed up, right? Anyway, and, um, but uh, all of us, many of us, we got ink. And, um, and the ink that you have, some of you like, some of you don't like. And today we're going to be talking about this whole idea of cover-ups, of re-inking and cover-ups. Because here's the thing, God wants to cover up your past, your bad choices, your failures, the dumb things that you did. He wants to cover up your bad tattoos. Now, we've all heard the version of the morning after bad tattoo story. A guy maybe has a little bit too much to drink, goes in and, and he meets this girl named Stephanie for the very first time. He says, I think I want to marry her. And then he goes and he goes into a tattoo parlor and he wakes up the next morning and he has this big Stephanie across, across his chest. He's thinking, okay, what am I going to do now? Am I going to change my name to, to maybe Stefano? What am I going to do? Now, at that point, you really only got two options, maybe three. Number one, you live with, you live with it, you change your name. The second one is you do uh, a tattoo removal, or the third is the cover-up. Now, here's the thing. For a, some, of a, some of you, and again, I think a couple of people raised their hand last week, some have actually had their tattoos removed. Now, here's the thing. Laser removal is an option, but as the actor Mark Wahlberg says, it's very painful, it doesn't many times work. It's very expensive. It takes quite a few sessions, and it may not be totally effective, and it may leave some scarring. In fact, I got a video of Marky Mark. You might remember Marky Mark? Come on now. Marky Mark talking about uh, his tattoo removal when somebody was interviewing him about the movie Contraband. Let's look at this. How do you go with time? Because, mate, we, we've just heard that you had... Um, uh, tattoos, you're getting tattoos removed. How do you get, I've just, uh, two years I've been getting one tattoo removed off my back. Yeah. It's one of the most painful things I've ever experienced in my life. Yeah, you try, to, you try to explain it to people you and they just don't get it. They're like, well, it can't be that bad. Well, I, I so feel, I rubber feel band like or, yeah. it's like a rubber band from yeah. way back and it's just... I feel like it's like hot bacon grease being flicked on you over and over again. Yes. And you smell the skin burning and... Yeah. So you, you take your kids along, is that right? I took my kids a couple of times, yeah. So there's a lesson in that. Yeah. Just to say, look. I've been going for over three years. My doctor told me it would be five to seven visits. I've been over 30 times. Which wow. ones? What are you getting removed? What are all you... of them. And all I get them, them all done at the same time. i got one here, one around my neck that goes down here, and one here, and one on the back of my wow. neck, and one on my leg. Just don't want them anymore. And I walk up like I'm wrapped up like a mummy. Oh, you'd be better off getting a skin graft, wouldn't you? Yeah, but then you got big patches. You got... How do you go I with time? Because... Wow, there you go. Hot bacon grease flicked on your skin over and over again. He can smell his flesh burning. Welcome to One Church. Wow, there you go, right? I mean, how bad do you really have to hate your tattoo in order to be able to get it removed like that? Because most people, again, they don't do that. It's very expensive, very painful. And as you heard him say, the doctor said, oh, maybe five to seven times. He's been over 30 times now, and it still hasn't worked. Let me tell you what most people do. Most people just do a cover-up. They do a cover-up. In fact, New York City tattoo artist Josh Reardon, he's the owner of the Greenpoint Tattoo Company, says this about covering up. 
drawing a cover-up so an old tattoo is gone takes an immense amount of work and concentration. This is where tattooing becomes more of an art than a craft. Well, when someone is re-inking and giving a cover-up, Maria, in fact, Maria's here today. Shout out to Maria. What's up now? So uh, Maria from No Regrets, she said this. Every time you do a cover-up, if you have a tattoo about this big, if you're going to do a cover-up, you can pretty much plan on double the size because you're going to have to do a double portion. The person's going to have to have double the talent, double the space, and it's going to probably be double the pain because there's already... There's, it's already been tattooed once. It's very, very painful. How many of y'all have, been, have done a cover-up? Let me see. All right? Very good. Well, actually, a lot of you guys. So anyway, so this whole thing of being covered up when you have bad ink on you, I mean, nobody, and again, I was watching tons of clips of this bad ink show. Have any of y'all seen it? It is a hoot. It is hilarious. Some of the stuff that people get tattooed, and it's just like, were you sober for that? I know you're like required by law to be sober to get a tattoo, but I- I'm starting to wonder here, right? I mean, it's just nuts. There was this one lady on Bat Ink. She had this big, great white on her, uh, on her arm, on her shoulder, and she recently just had a baby. And every time she picked up the baby and the baby saw the tattoo, the baby screamed. I, c- I can't even make this up, all right? This is some amazing. So she's wanting to get this covered up. Well, let me tell you, just like her, all of us, we've made mistakes. All of us, we've allowed some people to ink us, people to mark us, people to actually etch some stuff into our souls. And we talked about the second week that the scratcher, many times he comes and he be able to, he scratches stuff into us that's very painful. And we start and we allow that to define who we are. And here's the thing, even though we've all made choices, we've all made bad mistakes, today we're going to see our artist, God cover up some of our worst mistakes with a double helping of his love and his grace. And before we get into the meat of where we're going to be at today, I just want to land on one passage of scripture in Philippians 1.6, and it's written by this guy by the name of Paul, who had a lot of bad ink that God was able to cover up in his life. He says this, I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Again, for some of you who actually have ink, just being able to find that zone where you can be able to get in, and you're so, you're so tempted just to be able to get up and say, okay, I can't take it anymore. But what God is telling us today, that when he begins something good in you, he will finish it. He will finish it. There may be some pain involved, but he will finish it. And that is good news. Because maybe you've had a scratcher in your past mess up you. And mess over you. And, but God is the best tattoo artist ever. The best tattoo artist that you and I know. And he will be able to cover up all of your mess with what Jesus did. And today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. If you have your uh, smartphones, you can actually pull up version and hit the live event. Um, we also give away Bibles for free here. So um, we're going to be in Ephesians 2. And Ephesians uh, was written by this guy by the name of Paul. In fact, if you never read the Bible, I encourage you to read it. It's some of the coolest stuff. It really is. Because Paul was this really bad dude, really kind of, he murdered people, he arrested Christians. He just was not a good person. And God actually had made him do a 180 and he just 
totally came to God in an amazing way, and you can read about that in Acts chapter 9. But Paul now goes, and he's starting all of these churches, and he starts this church in this town by the name of Ephesus, and he writes these letters. It's very interesting that our Bible, it's not just one book, but it's 66 different books and letters, and all of it agree. It's really, really cool. Again, you should totally read your Bible. So in Ephesians, which is the letter that Paul wrote to this church of Ephesus, he is writing about you and about me. And i got to be honest with you. The first part of this message that he writes, it's kind of a bummer, right? Hopefully you're all happy, but I promise you it's going to get better, all right? So Paul is going to be looking at who we were and now who we are. It's going to be pretty bad. So now here's the thing. Richard Nixon, he was the 37th president. How many of y'all remember Tricky Dick? I am not a crook, right? right? Anyway, this is what he says. Some of y'all are going, never do that again. All right, I won't. All right. says this. Richard Nixon says this. Only if you have been in the deepest valley can you ever know how magnificent it is to be on the highest mountain. So before we get on that highest mountain, let's go into the valleys and let's listen to how Paul describes you and me when we are far apart from God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says this. Once you were what? Dead in your disobedience and your many sins. Now, some of you are thinking, okay, I know I'm pretty bad or whatever, but I'm not dead, right? Well, the bad news is that Paul says that because of our sins, because of our bad ink, that we are dead. Now, here's a question. Is it possible to be physically alive and have one of your faculties not functioning properly and maybe that be dead? Is it possible for you to be alive and for your hearing not to work? What's the answer? Yes, in fact, some of you, some of your best friends are people who are hearing impaired. So their hearing is not working properly. In fact, their hearing may be dead, but they're alive. Or what about this? Is it possible for somebody to be physically alive and yet their eyes be dead, their eyes not see anything? The answer, yes, absolutely. So let me ask this question. Is it possible to be physically alive and spiritually dead, spiritually unable to respond to spiritual stimuli? And I think the answer by Paul is yes. You see, if we're dead physically, you wouldn't respond to physical stimuli. You just wouldn't. Let's say we're at your memorial service, all right? Let's say you've died, you're pushing up daisies, and they're doing this funeral, and it's one of those funerals where afterwards, they're eating afterwards. How many of y'all been to those funerals? Best funerals ever, <laughs> right? Anyway, so... Um, so the person, you know, they're in, the, they're in the casket in the other room, and you're eating mashed potatoes and fried chicken, all right? But let's pretend it's you in the casket, and you smell all of this stuff, and you're like, oh, this, this is some of my favorite meal. You wouldn't smell it because physically you're dead, right? And you're not going to respond to physical stimuli. Well, here's the thing. In the same way, Paul says, you were spiritually dead, and that means you don't respond to spiritual stimuli. You can't connect with spiritual things. In fact, this is how Paul wrote it in another one of his letters to Corinth. It says this, But people who aren't spiritual can't receive the truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds very, what? Foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only if those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Many people, when they come to church, when they hear songs, they're going, I just don't get it. It just seems kind of foolish. It just seems kind of dumb. And that's okay. Why? Because spiritually, you're not connecting with God. And it's our hope, it's our prayer that before you leave today, you can actually find that connection with God. Not a connection to a church, 
not a, even a connection to religion, but a connection to a God who loves you. So it's when we begin that relationship with God that things start falling into place and we start finding that connection. But the first part of Paul's bad story here, of our bad ink, is that we are dead. We are dead. And let's look at some other tattoos that Paul gives us that we wear that marks our identities in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. I'm just going to read it all. Here we go. As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and your sins. That was, you were dead. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And the ruler of the kingdoms of the air. That means we were deceived. The spirit who has now worked in those who are disobedient. So we are what? Disobedient, right? All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our simple nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest... We were by nature objects of wrath. And that just that's kind of bummer that we were kind of doomed. So some of the ink that we were, we're dead, we're deceived, we are disobedient, and we are doomed. Thanks, Paul. That's wonderful, right? But look, look at the change here. Look at the change. Look at what it says in verse 4. And this is the good part. It says this. What's that first word? I'm telling you, one of these days I'm going to write a book. And it's going to be entitled God's Big Butts of the Bible. Because anytime you see that butt word, that means that is a really good thing. All right? So what Paul is doing is he's contrasting. He's saying this is what you were, but I've got some good news for you now. And see, let me tell you, the thing I want to land in, just leave that up if you would. We're going to be talking about some good things. And some of you, you're still living in the past. You're still living the way you saw yourself in the past. But God has done some amazing new things in you and through you and with you. And the first thing we're going to see is that he's going to make us alive. But because of his great love for us, God loves you. God, who is rich in mercy. He, he's not just, you know, he's not just like a middle, you know, just, just has a little bit of mercy. He's rich in mercy. Says this, made us what? Alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. That's just a big churchy word, but it just means sin. It is by grace you have been saved. All right, I'm going to keep on reading. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You see, here's the truth. We were dead but we have been made alive. How? Because Jesus was made alive. That is the miracle of what we're celebrating today. The miracle of Easter is that because Jesus was resurrected from the dead, that you and I, when we begin a relationship with Jesus Christ spiritually and physically, we will be resurrected one day. That you and I can have hope. Here's our big idea today. God makes us alive through Jesus' death. God makes us alive through Jesus' death. Not only does God give us life, he also gives life meaning and purpose so that we can live the life to the fullest. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10. says this, The thief, that's the original scratcher, the devil, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that you can have life and have it to the full. Let's just talk about this verse for a sec. You see, so many of us, when we're in the midst of getting that bad ink and we're having so much fun, it's like, oh, no, this is going to be great. Go back to that verse if you would. It says the one purpose is to what? The thief is to steal. What's the next one? 
kill, and let me tell you, the one thing, the thing that you think you're at, that you could dream about the craziest party, the, whatever it is, and you can think of the freakiest thing that you could do, all right? And that's all I'm going to say, because some of you are going, you're starting to think now, aren't you, right? You need to start confessing now. Just stop it, right? But, I mean, the craziest thing that you can imagine, let me tell you where that's going to end you up. It's going to end you up with killing and destroying and something's going to be stolen from you. Something's going to be stolen from you. Your integrity, your character, your past. Something's going to die within you. And you will be destroyed. But let me tell you what Jesus wants for your life. Because some of you, you, grow up, you grew up in church so much. And the only thing you think about church and religion and all this stuff is no, 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 no. Because you have this cosmic killjoy who doesn't want you to have fun. But let me tell you what Jesus wants for your life. I have come so that they might have what? Life and have it what? To the full, to the max. I mean, living on the edge. That is what Jesus wants for your life. He wants your life to be so big and so great and so massive. And you see, for all of us, what was inked on our souls, what was scratched into our identities because of sin and our failures and our past, the thing we have to realize is once you begin that relationship with Jesus Christ, that is dead. It is dead. So many of us were held in bondage from things that happened in our past, and those things have made us dead spiritually. But the miracle of Easter is that because Jesus was raised from the dead, you and I can also be brought and experience life and experience life more abundantly. The miracle of Easter is that God covers all of our bad ink and our bad tattoos through a double portion of Jesus' love and grace and mercy. Just as it takes a cover-up for a bad tattoo to double the size of our original tattoo, Jesus covers it up even more than double through what he did on the cross. Because we were dead, we were deceived, we were disobedient, we were doomed, and now because of what he's done for us, we have been made alive. We have been saved. There's mercy. There's grace. Let me tell you, you and I don't forget get forgiveness. You and I don't go to heaven because we're, we're, we get better or we try harder. I mean, we just don't. In fact, look at what it says in uh, verse 8. It says this, for it is by grace you have been saved. Let me tell you, let's stop right here, hit the pause button. Many people have been raised that if you believe in God and if you're a good person, then you're going to be saved. Were you raised that way, anyone? I mean, I kind of grew up with that whole mentality that, you know what, if, if I'm okay, and if I believe in God, whatever that means, and if I live good, then I'm going to get to heaven because good people are saved. Well, here's a question. How good do you have to be? Right? I mean, think about it this way. Can you, do you have to do good actions? I mean, or, and you just think really bad stuff, right? Or can you just think good stuff and do bad stuff? I mean, how good do you have to be? Where is, how many of y'all ever rode in those roller coasters that says you have to be this tall to ride this ride? Anyone? All right? That's, that's the question I'm asking. There has to be a measuring stick. How tall do you have to be in order to be able to ride this ride? Because you stand next to it, okay, I'm, I'm not quite there or, or I'm, I'm over or whatever. When, I mean, there has to be a measuring stick. Well, you say, well, okay, there's no measuring stick. Yes, there is. 
God says the measuring stick, you ready? Is perfection. Well, stink, right? I'm not perfect, and you're not perfect. Well, I can't. Well, let me tell you, God can and has. That is what Jesus Christ did for us. If you receive Jesus Christ and the gift of his grace, let's keep on reading. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Through faith is your part in it, but it's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. We give the best gifts with the people that we love, right? Let's, how many of y'all are married or want to get married? Should be everybody, all right? Some of you are like, I'm done with that. I understand that too, all right? I understand that too. So, um, But here's the thing. If you have been married, I mean, guys, I've never been a woman. Somebody say thank you. All right? Ugly woman, just saying. Um, but, uh, I, you know, as a guy, I remember what it was like to get the ring, right? And you're going to propose, and, like, you get it all. You're so excited. You get the butterflies in your stomach, right? And you've planned for the perfect evening. I mean, you have got it set straight. And when you, you get the ring and you plan on the, on the meal and you get there and then you get down on one knee and you pop the question, will you marry me? Right? And she says, no. <laughs> you, you, will you marry him? And she starts crying and she says, yes, 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 yes. And she gives you a big hug, right? And then after that, I mean, did, have you, has a bride ever asked, hey, how much did you pay for that? Can I pay you back for that? That would ruin the moment, right? And there's not a lady that's probably ever done that. Why? Because it would ruin the moment. The groom isn't asking you to pay for it. No. Okay, well, if I can't pay you back, okay, then let me work for it. Again, has a bride ever done that? No, because it would ruin the moment. I mean, maybe the lady would say, okay, listen, let's put the car in neutral, and I'll push it so that we can save on gas. No, 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 no. It would ruin the moment. Ruin the moment. Okay, maybe the lady says, okay, I, I can't pay you back, and I can't work for it. Maybe I'll just work to deserve it. I'll try to earn it. Let me shine your shoes or something. No. Why? Because that would ruin the moment. No one would ever say in a marriage proposal, that's, that's just too weird. Yet, that is exactly what you and I do with God. God, okay, I know about Jesus, but I've been coming every week for a month to church. And don't I kind of, you know, I'm trying to deserve it. Or you know what? God, I know about Jesus, so I'm going to put so much stuff in the offering plate. Or God, I know about Jesus, so I'm going to try to follow these Ten Commandments. Or God, I know about Jesus, I'm going to try to earn it. I'm going to try to work for it. I'm going to try to deserve it. But look at what the rest of this verse says. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, that's our response, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's nothing that you do. It's everything that he has done. And you see, it would not, it's not anything that you do, it would be awful if we got into heaven and somebody would be able to tell the story um, of how they deserve getting there, it wouldn't be heaven for us because we'd have to listen to your story, right? It just wouldn't because none of us deserve there. None of us deserve to be there because we were dead. We were deceived. We were disobedient. Yet God covered all of that bad ink up, and now we are loved, 
we are alive, and we are saved. And as we close, I just want to say this. There's some of you here today, and again, you've shown up, and you've been bounced out of church for a long, long time. And you think, there's no way that God could ever use me again. There was this time where I was close to God, and I kind of drifted away from him. And and Chris, you don't know all the mess that I have done. You don't know of all of the ink that I've allowed people to etch on my souls, and I don't even recognize myself anymore. And you need to know this. I don't know what you've done. I don't. And i got to be honest with you. I don't care what you've done. I don't. Because let me tell you, our Heavenly Father, because he's God, he does know. And you know, what he, you know what his response is? His response 2,000 years ago was to send his son, Jesus Christ, to not only die a death on a cross, but be, re, but be raised up because he loves you that much. You see, the beauty of Easter is that all of us get a second chance. All of us get a do-over. All of us get that time where we can say, you know what? I can, something's new. And it doesn't matter what happened yesterday, God wants me today. He can use me today, and he loves me today, and he can cover up all of that stuff. That should give you hope. The one thing I want you guys, as we walk out of here today, is to hear hope. Hope. He loves you. He has always loved you. There's nothing he can do to never not love you. And I'm going to answer some questions here in a second. Then I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to give you guys an opportunity just to be able to talk to God. We're not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come up front. But this can be a day where spiritually you can either connect or reconnect with your Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. So let me answer, answer a couple of questions, and then we'll be done. All righty. There's no questions. All I got is tattoos. So there you go. I've got 15 text messages with tattoos. So very, very good. All right. Well, let's pray. Guys, thank you so much for being here. And here's what we're going to close. I'm going to pray. And then after I pray, uh, Justin is going to come out, and we're going to take the offering for today. And then afterwards, uh, Luther is going to give us a couple of announcements, uh, mainly one uh, that's going to be happening next Sunday, because next Sunday we're starting a new series entitled Bad Ink. It'll be really, really fun. We're doing tattoos for two months here at One Church. Just saying. So anyway, so if, you, you don't ha- if you're not ink, you might want to do that. I'm just saying. It'll make you feel better. All right. All right. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the men and women in this room. Lord, I thank you so much, God, that we, because of what your son did on the cross and what happened as he came up out of the tomb, we have a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. I thank you so much, Jesus Christ, Lord, for everyone in here who have a relationship with you. And God, I just pray, Lord, I pray for those people in here who don't have a relationship with you. Lord, I know that there's some people here today, they may have been to church many, many times, and they may have tried religion, and it just feels weighty, it just feels burdensome, and it always does. That's what religion does. It's expectations that we can never fulfill. It's perfection that we can never attain to. 
fact, the root word for bondage is religion. So God, I pray for those people in here who need a relationship with you, Heavenly Father. And Lord, I pray that right now they would talk to you. Lord, they would talk to you and cry out to you. Saying words something like this. You're God. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've made some really bad and poor choices. God, I just feel lost. I, 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 don't, I don't even recognize myself anymore. God, I'm crying out to you. Jesus Christ, I pray that you would come into my life. Because you love us. You love me. So God, I choose you. I believe in you. Because you loved me so much that you gave your one and only son. So that I could have eternal life. So God, thank you for hearing this prayer. Thank you for covering up my sins with a double portion of your love. And Lord, right now, my response to you is I cry out to you, God, I love you.